Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Flock Talk, the official podcast of the Beloit Skycarp with my boy, Josh Flickinger, Larry Larson. You uh, you didn't like that intro, did you? My boy? Uh, my guy. Yeah, my guy I'm a little more comfortable with. My boy, I mean, I'm... You know, I'm, I'm just about exactly twice your age. <laughs> that's that's part of the um, shtick. Yeah, let's, I don't know, if, I don't think we need to re-record, but if you could just not refer to me. I, like, I picture the boy being spelled B-O-I, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, and I'm just, I'm not sure I'm into it, you know? Not a fan of it. Yeah, my um, guy. Yeah, my guy. My man. My man. My, my pal. Man. Yeah. Um, but hey, it's good to see you again in person. Yeah. You know, I like doing this when we can like look across the room and see each other yeah well you've got a dreamy set of eyes and so i enjoy that you kind of kind of get lost sometimes oh, a little boy. bit of a danger of the in-person I'm podcast flattered. but i'm flat absolutely how was sky carp fest it looked Man, great looked like a great crowd yeah we really missed you larry it was awesome we had a great crowd we had you know hundreds of people filing in and out throughout the day um, Q&A with our guys and just everything with our guys, Zach Zubia and Jacob Berry went great. I mean, if these guys do end up on our team, at least to start the season in April, I think fans are going to be very excited because not only are they great on the field, but they're great to communicate with and to, you know, banter back and forth, sign autographs. And as we know in minor league baseball, that's, you know, half the beauty of coming out here to ABC Supply Stadium is being able to interact with these guys and chat with them. So, um, yeah, it was great, great success. Yeah. Great success. Great success. Yeah, <laughs> and hey, if you haven't watched our last episode or interview with Zach Zuby and Jacob Berry, a lot of good stuff in there. They were great guests. They were. They were very open with us. You know, Zubia in particular, you know, he said he was a communications major at Texas. Um, he was a student athlete, so he probably didn't go to a lot of classes. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I do think he's got a great chance to be a future broadcaster if that's what he wants to do. Oh yeah, he's got he's got the voice for it. He does he's absolutely. Got the voice for it could yeah. go a lot of different directions too. He knows a lot of sports. Yeah, he does conversations with him. So well, I mean, his background as a high school quarterback, saying he played in front of twenty five k, you know, yeah. as a high school quarterback, just wild. So he, you're right. He could, you know, he could speak on any number of things. Jumping into a lot of discussion points today, uh, a lot of news with the Marlins lately. Uh, you know, our last episode before the Zubia Berry one, we talked a lot about Carlos Correa and, and whatnot. That episode never uh, made it out for reasons unknown. Uh, story for another day, folks, but far in the future. Biggest Marlins news and Beloit Skycarp news. 2022 member of the Beloit Skycarp, Jose Salas, one of the headlining prospects in the deal that sends Pablo Lopez to the Minnesota Twins and Luis Arise, the American League batting champ, to Miami. I, uh, I didn't have that on the offseason bingo card, but you look at Jose, and he's definitely a blue-chip prospect. There's no doubt. And, you know, to, to peek behind the curtain a little bit, you know, Jose was originally supposed to be at Skycarp Fest. <laughs> He was going to be one of the two guys they sent up here. And then, you know, they said, well, you know, Jose's got some personal conflicts, which very well could have been the case. I mean, I don't know how long this has been in the hopper. But the irony uh, or the coincidence that it was that his trade was uh, announced the day before Skycarp Fest, very interesting. So, yeah, that's one of the things that, you know, being a fan of the Skycarp or working with the Skycarp and you get to, to know these guys sometimes on a personal level and then all of a sudden – those same guys are, you know, blowing up on your Twitter feed. 
Um, very unexpected, as you said, but certainly the Marlins, um, you know, valued Jose because they used him as a centerpiece, really, or one of the pieces to get a very good player. And uh, the Twins are really excited about him, too. And we were, we were fully, at least I was fully expecting Jose to, to be our starting shortstop on April 7th. Uh, and yeah. I think that was going to happen, but uh, not anymore. Although, and you can talk about this maybe a little bit, but uh, still a good chance, a decent chance, I think, that he plays at ABC Supply Stadium in 2023. Yeah, there is a very real chance that he starts the season with the Cedar Rapids Colonels. I would expect and, and that, kind of, like, right? How awkward is that going to be? Oh, it'll be great. I mean, <laughs> I think even even when they get into it, these guys understand that this is a business. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. But it'll just be a little weird for me to say, oh, you know, here's here's the visiting starting lineup. Uh, Jose Salas leading off well, and playing shortstop for And anyone who has tuned into the broadcast in the past know you, you talk a lot of trash on the opposition. So you'll have to kind of tone down the act for Jose when he comes up. Yeah, just so I can say hi to him during batting practice. Yeah. yeah. We won't have any beef there. No, you don't want any beef with, uh, with, with Jose. No, he's a great – I loved Jose, though. He is a really good guy. And really fun to watch. I'll tell you, he mastered that Jeter throw, and I'm sad I he don't did. get to, to see did. it. He probably had four or five of those. That, yeah. Those are fun to watch. Yeah. He, he's a great defender, very strong arm. You know, I could see him in the future getting moved to third base. Yeah, I could too. Just because he's a, a big athletic frame. But I think the thing that impressed me the most about Jose, being that he was 19, was, you know, he's still got a lot of development to do in terms of plate approach. But – even when he really struggled towards the end of the year, he was on and off the injured list a little bit. He still found a way to get on base almost every single game, even when he wasn't really hitting. He'd stretch out at bats and find a way to walk, and uh, that's valuable. Yeah, he just he didn't come up and play like a 19-year-old. Like I said, I, I don't know that he merited that he did enough to say, yes, I am double A starting shortstop day one uh, in his age 20 season. But the fact that also they sent him to the fall league tells you exactly how the Marlins felt about him. And, and then obviously, you know, in kind, you know, that's, that's the thing about these minor league players and how organizations view them is, you know, if they're an asset, they could be an asset for us or they could be an asset for somebody else that allows us to get somebody that's maybe a little more big league ready or already in the big. So... Jose, a, a bright future, just maybe a bright future for the fighting St. Peter's of, yeah. uh, of Minnesota. Yes, indeed, or the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Yeah, in the very near term, yeah. We'll have to look on, I don't know, uh, surprisingly, fans, I don't have the 2023 schedule committed to memory. But Second home stand they visit here. Oh, so it's that's very likely. Mid-April. Get come your tickets see, now. Come out and see Jose. Are our tickets on sale yet? Uh, the so, individual right? games, not quite yet, but uh, certainly season tickets. And uh, yes. we have some group packages. We've got some, uh, some dates available. So definitely check us out. Buy your season tickets now, skycarp.com slash tickets, or call the box office. You can uh, secure your seat for yeah. when Jose Salas probably returns. I think so. I think, I think probable. Probable is what, 60%, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'd I say. think probable is good. And, and also he does have the talent to – probably start in double a if so he who knows? blows them away in, in spring training where are they trained fort myers maybe fort myers yep How about yes that? indeed um moving towards the big league side of that trade so you've got Luisa rise you've got gene segura and jazz chisholm getting shifted to center field <laughs> 
That could go a few different ways. I think that surprises a lot of people, but it sounded like a move where Jazz Chisholm went to the front office and said, if you guys aren't going to go out and get a center fielder, I'm down to learn center field and win a gold glove in center field. you got to love that attitude if you're a Marlins fan. Well, we talked about the talent and versatility of Salas coming into play, playing a different, couple different positions and have the, having the athleticism to do so. Well, that's a perfect example with Jazz. And, yeah, I mean, and we've seen that before, um, you know, where guys transition from an infield spot to the outfield, especially center field, and do that successfully. Um, I mean, I, I can mention my Brewer background. Robin Yount won an MVP at both shortstop and center field. Ah, the old Robin Yount. 82 and 89. Bill Hall also made that transition not as successfully, but he did play <laughs> oh, out there. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, got to love that. But but certainly, I mean, history is littered with those guys that's, that have done that. And they, you got to be a great athlete, but that's what that's what jazz is. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be a very interesting experiment uh, in Miami this year. Luis Rise, too. I mean, it never hurts getting a, a batting champ. Yeah, whenever you can pick up somebody that, uh, that, that won a batting title the year before, still, you know, certainly have some, has some great years left in him. Yeah, it'll help the team, that's for sure. Transitioning to some other offseason news, four members of the 2022 Beloit Sky Carp invited to big league spring training, Dax Fulton, Will Banfield, Jan Mercado, Nassim Nunez, all very well deserved. Exciting news. Yeah, absolutely. The, the catchers we, we talked about a little earlier, the catchers, of course, are going to, you're going to cast a wider net for your cat, catchers just because of the amount of arms that need to be caught uh, during spring training. But still, great news for Banfield and Mercado. And then, you know, Nas, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, uh, he certainly earned the, the bid. And then, you know, I think we all think that, uh, that Dax could see a big league uniform in 2023. Really? I think I, I, not necessarily in April, but yeah. I mean, if he has a solid start, you look at what he did. Look, at I don't. I don't think it's completely out of the question, but it would just be like a, a bit of a surprise, like a pleasant surprise. Yeah. But I'm I'm thinking 2024. Yeah, I think that's more realistic for yeah. sure. But but I, I wouldn't rule him out now. Nas, I think probably that would be really difficult for him to, you know, see action in a non-spring training game for the Marlins this year, um, because you got to figure he's going to start in Double A. Um, and then if he can make it up to, to Jacksonville, he's still such a young guy. Yeah. Still, time is on his side. But to, to get that spring training in by, right away, that's a huge you know, tip in the cap towards Nas. Yeah, and you look at all three of those guys. You look at Nas, you look at Fulton, you look at Banfield, all guys who started here and had very good performances. Obviously, you got to play pretty well to get called up to double A. Yep. And then they went to Pensacola, and arguably they all played better up there and I think that speaks volumes about you know the coaching staff here in Beloit and the coaching staff and minor league development of the Marlins and uh, also it speaks volumes about those guys and, and their futures in the organization. Yeah anytime you you know you level up and particularly Larry when you're talking about the jump between high A and double A which a lot of times is seen as the biggest leap and you see a lot yeah. of guys kind of sputter out at double-A, have success until they reach that double-A level. At the double-A level, you're so close to the big leagues. You see guys getting called up from double-A regularly. You know, so there are big, they are playing against big leaguers, future big leaguers, all the time, every night. And uh, for those guys to, to not only do as well as they did in Beloit, but as you mentioned, better statistically in all three of those cases, I think, uh, says a lot. Hey, and then... A fifth name that we want to toss out there, Jacob Berry invited to big league spring training. And that's a name that? that is 
you know, speaking of probability, we're like 95% sure he'll be with us at some point this year. We'd be shocked if he, if he wasn't. I would be shocked, yes. And I would also be shocked if he was a Sky Carp still in August. It probably wouldn't be a, let's face it, probably wouldn't be a great sign for Jacob because I know they expect big things out of your sixth overall pick. Of course. Um, as, especially as a college guy, college right? Not guy. coming out of high yep. school. He's only had the two years in college, but still. But SEC in Pac-12. Yes. You know. And he had great success there. And so... I'm expecting Jacob to be here for a couple of months and then blow a kiss, hit the road, and uh, head down to Pensacola. But we'll have to see what happens. But, yeah, yeah, we'd love to see him here in April for sure. Yeah, we definitely enjoyed getting to know him at Sky Carp Fest. Great guy. He'll be a fun player to watch. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, I think there's a lot of question over, you know, is his long-term future at third base? But we'll get to see right out of the chute exactly how he plays over there at the hot corner. And And right here, this is the place where you start to find out yeah. Those things and those plants. So high A is such a great level. I, not that I would, you know, not that low A was was. Oh, geez. Yeah, this is trash. <laughs> this is these guys are terrible. But high A is so interesting because um, you don't get players skipping high A a lot. Barry's a perfect example, right? Where you know, and and obviously he played with Jupiter, but you see a lot of guys that come in maybe straight out of the draft. Those high impact college guys that'll go straight to high A. And you just don't see and skip low A and skip rookie ball or maybe, you know, high A. Everybody kind of lands here at some point, it feels like. Yeah, definitely. So we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to all those guys, seeing those guys at big league spring training this year. That, that's exciting. Larry and I are going to be there. Now, if they're still in big league spring training that's in late a pretty March, good sign. Now, that's a story. But we, we want to promo that a little bit, Larry, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to yeah. be it's a couple uh-huh. months from now, not that I'm counting down the days. Am I allowed to call that a boys' trip, or do we want to um, go guys' trip well, uh, with that? Yeah, as long as the BOI is not involved, I guess you can, you can call it a boys' trip. But um, we are uh, – yeah, we're headed down to spring training. We booked the flights, so they can't tell us no now. Uh, I've used the gold card, and once the gold card's used, it's in the book. So um, we're really excited to get down there. We're going to bring you a ton of content over the course of three or four days. I've heard Mo- rumors there's going to be a vlog. Yeah, there's, we're going to have some vlog content, some old-school vlog yes. content. Oh, yeah. Catch our Instagram stories. The thing I'm most excited about getting down there, just real quick, the ring ceremony that they're going to have prior to a Marlins spring training game, which obviously it's not the Sky Carps rings, but it is the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, half of whose roster played for the Sky yes. Carps. Yes. So, so we'll, we'll take partial credit. Yeah. I don't think they'll have rings for us, but maybe. I'm going to line up in the line, and if they call my name, they do. If they don't, they don't. Either way, I'm going to be there, and it'll be great content. <laughs> Good plan. You know, maybe we can pull some strings from our friends up at uh, on Park Avenue in New York City, including Zach Rabb. There you go. He is the MILB Club Services Coordinator for a handful of clubs, including the Marlins. And uh, he is our guest on today's Flock Talk. We recorded this a few weeks ago. Great interview. Yes. Guy with a very interesting background, and he grew up a Marlins fan. So a lot of fun Marlins talk in this interview. Without further ado, let's kick it to Zach Rapp. Our next Flock Talk guest is Zach Rabb, Club Services Coordinator with Minor League Baseball, a frequent guest at many minor league ballparks, any minor league fan uh, out there. Great follow on Twitter. Zach Rabb, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. So, Zach, you know, first question, we know what you do, at least me and Flick have a little bit of a better idea, but sort of explain your job to folks that might not be familiar. 
Sure thing. Yeah, it's a job that I absolutely love. I'll start with that. Um, I'm officially employed by Major League Baseball um, on the minor league business operations team. This team came about, was created by Major League Baseball. Um, if you go back two years uh, around COVID time when minor league baseball, there was a bit of restructuring um, among the minor league teams and it was sort of absorbed under Major League Baseball's umbrella. And Major League Baseball uh, created two dedicated teams to help out all the minor league clubs on the baseball operations side and the business operations side. Um, the baseball operations side helps with travel and, and housing and um, anything player and coach and facility related. And, and the business side helps with all the marketing, the promotions, merchandising and, and all of that stuff. And so I'm on that team. Uh, my official title is club services coordinator, minor league baseball club services coordinator. Uh, based out of the commissioner's office in, uh, in New York City. Um, my role is essentially, I am the point person at Major League Baseball for, I guess, 28, 28 minor league clubs, uh, including all four Marlins affiliates, uh, which is how I've gotten to know you, you all at the, at the Skycarp. And I get a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom calls, any questions that any of the staff members at these 28 clubs have, and this we're talking from general manager and, and VP all the way down the food chain, food chain and the front office staff to merchandise manager and social media manager and the graphic designer and everyone in between basically. Uh, I'm here to, to help be a resource uh, from, from the side of Major League Baseball. Um, we cover every kind of topic. Uh, just my, like the core of my role is to help make the lives of everyone at the minor league baseball's teams easier and i have so much fun doing it built a ton of relationships with guys like like you and so many others across the other teams i've worked with and i started at this role back in august 2021 so it's been quite a while and and a lot of fun and just contributing positively to, to minor league baseball and to teams all across the the country so it sounds like your job is to to keep an eye on flick a hundred percent. I mean, he's the biggest problematic guy in minor league baseball, but he's also been one of the coolest guys I've gotten to meet through this game, so I'm thankful you know for that. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it takes a maverick to keep you on your toes. You know what I mean, Zach? There are a lot of those. <laughs> uh, okay, so the 28 teams, how are they divided? You mentioned we, you have all four Marlins affiliates, which of course the other three are in Florida. Are, the, are, they, are you then divided by teams? You've got all the Reds teams and the Astros teams, or is it geographic? What, how, how are they divided, or is it random? Yeah, I'm, it's not uh, geographic. Uh, my manager, we are a team of four coordinators split among 120 clubs, 120 minor league clubs. So I have, for example, all the Marlins affiliates. I have all the Braves affiliates. I have all the Reds affiliates and a couple of other clubs. Um, the Marlins was by design because my manager uh, knew and understood that I grew up a Marlins fan and that it would, you know, mean a lot of extra, you know, make it extra special for me to get to work with a lot of the Marlins minor league affiliates, many of whom I had various relationships throughout the, the different levels uh, prior to even joining Major League Baseball, just via social media, like Larry said. Uh, when, you're, when you're a Marlins fan on social media and, and you're vocal and you're consistently vocal uh, and supportive of the club, you tend to stand out and so i did that for for a number of years from i don't know 2016 17 all the way until when i got this gig back in 2021 so that's why i'm working with the marlins and and i thanked my boss right away when he gave me the marlins but it's been a treat to work with the other six uh, mlb parent clubs all of their affiliates too i've met people across the, the country 
awesome people in Chattanooga, awesome people in Toledo, Ohio, um, you, you name it, across the map, I've met so many cool people and gotten to learn about so many cool minor league brands and awesome uh, promotions that you guys that you guys do on a yearly basis. It's been awesome. So, obviously, you travel a lot. You've seen a lot of ballparks. We'll get to that. I want to start with the Marlins fandom. Uh, what made you a Marlins fan growing up? And maybe what was your favorite memory? Because, you know, it might be a little easier to forget these days, but the Marlins, I mean, they were a force to be reckoned with early in franchise history. Yeah, I'm born and raised in South Florida. So I lived there from the time I was a baby through the end of high school. Um, so I grew up going to so many Marlins games. Uh, that was the most consistent thing our family did together and that, that I enjoyed doing back in the old Pro Player Stadium, which ended up having like seven different names. Uh, and then in the new Marlins Park, which is now Lone Depot Park. Um, I, I grew up in the, in the black and teal Marlins days uh, with, with that awesome logo. Um, continued through the, the rainbow colored logo through that, I guess, growth phase of the Marlins. Um, and now in, in the really sleek uh, black, red, and blue logo that I, that I really like that update. Um, so yeah, born and raised a Marlins fan. Uh, you can't take that out of me. I sort of got to be a little bit more neutral uh, now in, in this role at Major League Baseball. But you know, everyone that works for Major League Baseball grew up a fan of some team. Um, and you're not going to like um, take that away all of a sudden. So I still, still support the Marlins uh, clubs. Favorite memory, uh, favorite thing growing up. I mean, my favorite player growing up was Dan Ugla. Uh, number six, second baseman, hit a lot of home runs. Uh, everyone knew Rich Waltz and Tommy Hutton's call. His name is Dan Ugla. Whenever he hit a home run, that was the soundtrack of my childhood. Um, I, I grew up, I was playing second base, so I always wore number six. I uh, mimicked Dan Ugla's uh, batting stance when he used to shake the bat like that. Um, there was one time I sat behind home plate at a Marlins game, and it was uh, literally the seats behind the umpire, I guess right behind home plate and Dan Ugla hit a walk off and I was on Sports Center the next morning, top 10 plays. Uh, that was exciting. But I guess the, my core memory of, of when I think of my Marlins fandom uh, is, is Jose Fernandez and uh, just the joy that he brought when he was playing there. That, that connected me um, beyond anything. And that was actually, and we may touch on this, but while I was living across the ocean in Israel for nine years, I spent many nights watching Marlins games from two to five in the morning, especially just about every one of Jose's starts that I could that I could catch, and that really cemented my fandom into into adulthood of um, just how much the team meant to me, how much watching baseball and being a part of baseball, and then ultimately wanting to make a positive impact in baseball, which is why I'm super thankful that I'm in this role right now. You mentioned Israel for nine years. The fact that you know we we've talked about what brought you there, and uh, ultimately what brought you back. Uh, what brought me there? It's uh, as, as a Jew, living in Israel is absolutely special. Um, sort of on a whim that I moved there. For I went there for, for college, for undergraduate, and for graduate school, and then started working there at a certain point after nine years. It's also tough watching baseball from two to five in the morning uh, for <laughs> nine years. It was also unfortunately coincided with nine losing seasons for the Marlins, so that took a little extra level of dedication, uh, but it was worth it. Um, ultimately, what got me to come back to America is I wanted to work in baseball. Uh, it's very rare, especially from, from talking to my friends and people that I know, people in my circles, it's very rare to pinpoint a passion, like something that above all that you care about that you know means so much to you. And 
if you are lucky enough to pinpoint that at some point in your life, as I did really early on as baseball and wanting to make a positive impact in the game of baseball, there was not that much that I could do in Israel. Uh, there was a lot of volunteer work and I did get very involved in that around the World Baseball Classic and around the Olympics and just volunteering on the ground with some youth teams there. But to really make a wider spread positive impact, uh, I decided to take a leap back to America with very little network, very few connections in the game of baseball and try to find my way into the industry and make a positive impact here. And I'll keep saying it. I, I love the department I'm in now. I love the impact that I get to make with minor league clubs. And I love the traveling that I get to do and just so much about this job. I'm so appreciative of every, every day. Hey, you know, Israel, it's, it's a small but passionate baseball community over there based on what I've seen. It's there, but yeah, obviously a few more ball games over here across the pond. Um, yeah, it's very small there. It's growing in terms of passion level, for sure. Uh, you got to start somewhere in small countries like that. Yeah, definitely. Now jumping back to more recent, this year, this past year, I'm going to steal a line from Scott Van Pelt, you know, his segment, best thing I saw today. How about the best thing you saw this year from every minor league ballpark you went to? Wow. Uh, oh, you know what? Since this is a Beloit Skycard podcast, I will say my, my best memory, the best thing I saw was getting to meet Poopsie, your mascot, before <laughs> Poopsie was unveiled. So yeah, I got a sneak right. peek. I got a sneak peek of Poopsie back in the uh, uh, underground um, <laughs> in the front office area. And for anyone else knew Poopsie was coming, I got that inside scoop and I didn't spoil it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I still want a Poopsie bobblehead for my desk here at MLB, but uh, that's we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I guess, that, you know, that, that's a memory. The first thing that popped to mind since this is a Skycard podcast. Quick, write that down, write that down. We will, yeah, we will certainly, uh, we'll be sending you a Poopsie bobblehead for sure. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely make that happen. Uh, South Florida to New York City, um, that's a big switch. How, how are you like, because if I recall correctly, your offices too, they are, they are in Manhattan, right? Like downtown? Yeah, our offices are okay. smack in the middle of Manhattan. Uh, also brand new offices, uh, MLB Open New headquarters right before COVID. I think it was January or February 2021, uh, 2020. So it still a little bit has that new office feel to it, um, considering the entire 2020, no one was really working in the office. Um, but yeah, Florida to New York is very different. I will say living in Florida my whole childhood and up through high school and then living in Israel for nine years, which is a desert. Now living in cold weather climate is shock to the system, but a shock that I was actually very excited for because I love cold weather and this uh, you know, everyone in Beloit understands that cold weather. Um, and and I, I've been enjoying it. Um, New York City is definitely busier, louder, brighter, smellier uh, than <laughs> everywhere else I've lived thus far. And there's just been a sensory overload at some points, um, which is why I love the travel that I get to do. Because every once in a while, let's say once a month during the season, and a couple of times in the off season too for various meetings, I get to take a quick break from New York City, from the hustle and bustle here and go to small towns like Beloit, Wisconsin or Chattanooga, Tennessee or Pensacola, Florida and relax and enjoy a ball game, meet the staff there and just take a break from the New York City sensory overload. But aside from that, it's, it's been great. It's, it's a new life experience and you grow through new life experiences and that's really what I've been doing over the past year since I moved here. Yeah, you know, you've really got a job that I think a lot of people would enjoy in the sense that you get to travel and 
you get paid to go and check out different stadiums and different ballparks around the country. And with that, you know, obviously I asked a superlative question, last question, but I want to do it again. Uh, you know, you see a lot of different stuff, maybe outside the entertainment, maybe outside the mascots that have yet to be unveiled. How about your favorite ballpark you got to see? Maybe you can pick a top three. Maybe you don't have to order them, but, you know, we won't be offended if ABC Supply Stadium's not on the list. Yeah, um, the, the, the traveling is, is amazing. Um, and I'm very thankful I, I have this opportunity to, to go to all these amazing places and meet all these amazing people. I will say, and I already gave, gave Beloit some love, so I'm going to give your, your sister club some love in Pensacola. Their stadium um, down in Pensacola, they're the only team that I visited this past year that I actually stayed for two games as opposed to one. Um, their, their view, their sunset from their ballpark overlooking the water, if your fans have never made a trip down to, down to Pensacola for, for even a vacation and while they're there catch a few ball games, man, that, that was a treat. Um, I just, I really had always wanted to visit that ballpark for a couple of years, I guess, since they became a Marlins affiliate and I finally got to for work. And I mean, I always had a dream of traveling for work. Uh, I just, I love seeing new places around the world, around the country. And now I get to do it and visit baseball stadiums, which is, I mean, I can't get, I can't ask for much more than that. I'm, I'm so thankful. Hey, but we got to work on the, the sunset thing next year. Yeah. I, you know, you can get, <laughs> you know, I've been here when we were here for opening day, of course, our day on opening day starts very early before sunrise because TV stations were thankful <sighs> to have them come out and do their morning shows here. So I've witnessed a sun, sunrise or two here from ABC Supply Stadium. You want to come see that? I'd recommend that. Um, maybe not for our fans just to show up here because there's not a lot going on on the field. But uh, Flick but will take we, care of you. So any fans yeah. who want to come see the, the sunrise, maybe maybe tomorrow, Saturday morning. Text that, me. that work? Text me. We'll make I, it happen. I will say you guys do have a nice river right by your ballpark. Yeah. Yes. I think it's the Rock River, right? Yes. yes. If I remember Got correctly. It. Look, look at this geography knowledge coming from all these small towns in Love America. I, I get to learn about Beloit, Wisconsin. So you have that Rock River and one, one of the coolest Yes, little promotions that I saw that you guys did last year was tubing with a bunch of fans down to your ballpark, and that I want to do. Um, so the next time you have tubing to your ballpark, please let me know. I will bring a bathing suit, and I am all in. All right, Zach, that is on the promotional calendar. It is. We will, uh, we will send you an invite here for, uh, you know, we decided not to put that in April or May. Uh, just you never know um, weather conditions. So, so we did a favor to our fans and put to push that later in the summer again, like it was last year. And we're gonna we're gonna have a, an even bigger crowd that that's tubing down the river. Maybe swimming too. Yeah, maybe some swimming hey, involved. Got a shout really out, Jonathan risky. Griffith, uh, yeah. Studer Entertainment President. He swam the whole way. Incredible. That's I love it. I love it. <laughs> You know, one thing, Zach, we did want to ask you about before we let you go, perhaps the biggest promotional undertaking, maybe undertaking uh, sounds a little too strong, but maybe most exciting promotional aspect of minor league baseball this year is the marvel, the marvelization uh, of a lot of logos. Every team's getting one. Uh, tell us about your work kind of in that department. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm so glad you asked about that. That's been a really fun partnership that... To be quite honest, the first meeting I joined, the first Zoom meeting I joined as an MLB employee was related to Marvel. And I got off the call because I'm not a self-proclaimed Marvel nut. I have learned so much about Marvel over the last year and a half of this job, but my first meeting was related to Marvel. 
And I remember hanging up off the Zoom call and saying, man, I thought I was going to be working in baseball, not Marvel, <laughs> but, but I'll take it. And it's, it's evolved so much, this program, over, over a year and a half, and it's been so much fun. I've learned so much about Marvel and the, the fans that are passionate about the brand. Um, essentially, there's this Marvel's Defenders of the Diamond program that 96 minor league clubs, including Beloit, including Pensacola, uh, are, are a part of. And, you know, with a Marvel-themed a Marvel game, at least once a year at your ballpark, uh, once last season, at least once this coming season, and then at least once in 2024. Some clubs do an additional Marvel-themed night or two where they wear uh, Marvel character jerseys, where there's activities in between innings that are Marvel-themed, where the graphics on your scoreboard or the graphics on, on even on social media are themed around it, where there's sometimes face painting or, or character appearances, and it's really cool. But I think that the core part of this partnership that has been that has been so cool to work on was getting to sort of be the middleman between Marvel animators, the, the comic book animators, and all the 20, all the, I guess, 21 clubs that I was working with that are Marvel participants, reimagining your logos, reimagining your, your cap logos, whether it was taking inspiration from a mascot or from just your basic cap logo or, or something like that and turning it with a Marvel spin and these Marvel animators cooked up 96 amazing logos that all dropped on caps back in November. And, you know, sales were amazing. People ate them up and, and the, the vibe on social media was, was through the roof and really cool. I have yet to get my hands on any of these caps, but I'm going to once the season starts and once I go out traveling again. And it's just, it's just really cool. It's a way to get Marvel fans who aren't necessarily baseball or minor league baseball fans out to the ballpark. And it's a way to get minor league baseball fans and baseball fans who aren't necessarily exposed to Marvel, myself included, to start, you know, learning about Marvel characters and the Marvel universe. And I mean, the work has been amazing. It's been a lot. It's been quite the partnership uh, and quite the moving, moving pieces behind the scenes. But the way the merchandise dropped and fans ate it up that was that was really cool to see so hopefully your fans listening to this uh mark their calendars once you release your 2023 promo schedule and see when that marvel date is and go out to that game for a lot of fun even if they're not the biggest marvel fan but it's just going to be a lot of fun in general and then uh get a bunch of those a bunch of those really cool skycarp marvel infused caps hey you can get those right now on skycarp.com use Why the wait promo until the code season? flock for 20% off. So Zach, maybe you can do that right now. Hop on the team store, buy some Marvel gear. You can get it right now. Why wait? Yeah, I will go check it out. Awesome. Well, Zach, appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, for some people, there's an off season. For you, I know there's not. Uh, so we really appreciate your time uh, to join us. Yeah, this was a treat. Thank you guys, as always. Love, love dipping back into my Marlins fandom and, and talking with the guys I help uh, at, the, at these minor league clubs that love my job. I love just sort of sharing what I do. And hopefully, hopefully your fans listening to this episode uh, really enjoyed this, uh, this chat. I appreciate you having me guys. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Zach. That was our chat with Zach Rabb from a few weeks ago, MILB club services coordinator. Glad he could join us. He's got a really interesting background and uh, his name is Zach Rabb. Love it. You know, how many Marlins fans are there at the home office there? I wonder. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, you're stuck right in the middle of not stuck. We'd all like to live in Manhattan, the smells. But um, <laughs> honestly, you, there's probably not a ton of Marlins fans in that office. So it's no. good to have Zach as one of our reps there. Yeah, you 
generally it's it's reversed, right? There's a lot of like New York baseball fans in South Florida. Yes. And then there's a lot of are are there a lot of Marlins fans in New York? Probably not. <laughs> I'm gonna say probably not. Yeah. That, that's the disadvantage of being a franchise that's now. You know what? I just thought of that. They're they're celebrating their 30th year. Or well, this will be the 30 year anniversary. I guess technically last year because they were first year was 93. I was on spring break in 1993 in Florida when the Marlins played their first game. Charlie Huff started, and I'll never forget that week because Packers signed Reggie White. And speaking of Reggie White, <laughs> he was an eagle too, wasn't he? What a segue that was. Super Bowl coming up. Uh, we got to talk about it. The elephant in the room is <laughs> we've got two members of our front office staff. We got Matt Mitchie, Jared, Jared Takis. Yep. Jared, he's been on the show before, bearded Philadelphian. Matt Mitchie, huge KC guy, big Chiefs fan. We're going to have him debate right now. All right, so here's how this is going to work. Me and Flick have switched with Mitchie and Jared. Uh, we're behind the camera now, yes. sort of, you know, in quotation marks. Mitchie and Jared, you guys are on the hot seat. I've got the timer right here in my hand, 30 seconds. We're going to ask each of you questions pertaining to your team, big questions that your team is going to have to answer if you're going to want to win a Super Bowl. You've got 30 seconds to answer and it's going to be rapid fire. So, Flick, I'll let you ask the first question. Mitchie, in the AFC Championship game, it's pretty clear your most valuable player was, uh, I believe his name is Ron Tolbert, the head official. Uh, he is not assigned to the Super Bowl, to my knowledge. How will the Chiefs overcome that? Go. You know, that is difficult. Um, fortunately, you know, Roger Goodell, as you will know from looking at the Internet, is actually on the Chiefs' sidelines uh, every game. And he has a little, a little microphone that he has on his sleeve. And so he calls the call in to referees of every single Chiefs game. Um, because, you know, the NFL obviously yeah. is rigged. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, we all watch a sport that is predetermined. The sarcasm wow. is so heavy. He didn't even attempt to justify the cheating that went on yesterday in a fair and realistic manner. Can't say I can give him a point for that, Larry. Hey, with time to spare, though, we can give him a point for that. That's, that's pretty good. Our next question is for Jared. Uh, Jared, this one's pretty simple. Um, you guys are going to have to play a quarterback who doesn't need Tommy John surgery in the middle of the game. How's that going to go? Um, well, you know, uh, as much as, as as good as Patrick Mahomes is, you know, he's got that he's got that high ankle sprain. You know, uh, yeah, he's got he's got two weeks to to, to kind of let it heal up a little bit. But you know, uh, everybody was talking about Nick Bosa in that in that 49ers matchup, and uh, you know, we got a we got a guy on our side too on uh, a little Hassan Reddick action uh, coming at him. So um, you know, I think our pass rush is going to have have some good times with uh, with Patrick. I'm impressed. Both uh, both guys under time. What? True professionals here. Mitchie, how are you possibly expected with a one-legged quarterback to fend off that hellacious Eagles pass rush that we've seen here throughout the postseason and, frankly, throughout the regular season? Well, you know, uh, uh, I think the answer to that is uh, our, our offensive line, uh, you know, no offense to uh, Jason Kelsey, who, you know, I'm, of course, a big fan of as a Kelsey brother fan. 
Uh, our offensive line is uh, the real best one in football. Uh, you know, I believe that uh, Lane Johnson currently has half a groin um, that he played through against the 49ers. Um, so I, I believe that despite, you know, the power of Hassan Reddick, uh, you know, I think that Steve Spagnuolo and, and Andy Reid there are, are smarter uh, than Kyle Shanahan and will not leave their uh, backup tight end to, uh, to guard him. Okay. Uh, Jared, I'm, I'm just going to let you respond to that. Go. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, just uh, really, oh, you really, <laughs> really? You, you're, you're really going to sit there with a straight face and say that that your your offensive line is better than our offensive line. Yes, I will give you that. Lane Johnson has half a groin, but it's even true. with half a groin, he shut Nick Bosa down. It's true. Uh, I mean, that guy is just absolutely you're incredible. A, a, a you know, I mean, two Hall of Famers there on offensive line between Kelsey and and uh, Lane Johnson. So, all right, uh, last question for you guys. Uh, a fight between the Kelsey brothers one-on-one. Hmm. If that's what this Super Bowl comes down to, who's winning? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Jared gets to start this one. Ready, go. I mean, as, 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 much, as, I, I, as much as I love Jason, I mean, J- Jason's my guy, I, I think I have to give the edge to Travis. Whoa. I mean, he's got, he's, got the, he's got the size on him. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I think Travis might just be a little bit more crazier than Jason. He, he, he's definitely a bit of a psychopath. I mean, that is... Undeniable, and as we all saw, uh, you know him giving love to the Rock last night and his uh, his uh, disagreement with the Cincinnati mayor. Yes. He's got some wrestling DNA deep down inside of him. So you know, Jason, I think can absorb a little bit more. You know, he's a big guy, but Travis, he's you know he's a, he's a bit crazy. He'll, he'll might you know go for an eye gouge. You know, might go for some you know under the belt. You oh, know, yeah. he, Travis he, will definitely play dirty for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Last question, Jabronis. Who's winning? Give me the score. Ooh. I'll let you go first, Jared. All right. Uh, obviously, the birds are going to take this one. Um, I think it's going to be a tough matchup, though. I think I think we're going to fire. I think it's it's going to be a, a high scoring uh, high scoring affair. To be honest with you, um, I'm going to go with the birds edging out Kansas City, 35 to 32. Oh. Love the odd score too. You got a you Huge. got a two pointer in there somewhere. Huge. Might Absolutely. be probably Philly special probably again. A, probably a Super Maybe. Bowl score gami there. Um, yeah, um, you know, I personally agree. It'll be a, a hard fought, gritty game. A little less, you know, about the the total points scored. I think uh, you know Super Bowls are usually a little more conservative. I'm going to say Chiefs, 31, same number they put up in '54. Eagles. 24. Wow. All righty. So now it's interesting because um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you wager or not. I don't. <laughs> um, but the over under in this game is 50, which I thought was high. Mitchie, you thought was high too, but then went with the 55. So you guys both say this one, this one's going over. Oh, I think I think absolutely. I mean, as, as, as good as our defense is, I mean, with, with Slay and Bradbury there, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. One, one leg or not, I mean, he showed last night that, that he can be a wizard on one leg just as well. So I think our defense still has that edge, but I, I think we're going to have a tough time slowing Patrick down. And, and you know, I agree uh, on the opposite end as well. Uh, you know, Steve Spagnuolo had an excellent game plan to stop Joe Burrow last night, but there is about a 90% chance that at one point during the game he will put, you know, a seventh-round uh, rookie um, from Sister Mary's School for the Deaf and Blind 
one-on-one -on -one with A.J. Brown, and he'll you know, score a 90-yard <laughs> touchdown. So. Well, fellas, I got to say, great sportsmanship. Let's, uh, let's keep it clean the next two weeks in the office, and uh, best of luck to you. Thanks to Matt Mitchie, Jared Takis. They kept it clean. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I think the rage burning deep inside them was fairly evident. But if you think it's, it, it's cordial now, just I'm thinking around eight or nine days from now is when it starts. About next Wednesday is when it really starts heating up. Yeah. And we're going to have to. Thank goodness Mitchie works by himself. We don't even know what he does up here. But he's all alone. He's completely isolated from the rest of the office. They don't have to see each other every day, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Probably, probably. And, uh, hey, what, what are the chances that we've got a guy from Kansas City and a guy from Philadelphia in the office? Hey, sports brings people together. I love it. Yeah, love you got to love it. And, and Philadelphia, already an epic sports year. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to say year because, you know, the baseball season was over in October. Here we are going to be in February. Um, but it is still the same continuous season, right? They both were in the fall, started fall. So you got a World Series, you got a Super Bowl, and you've got the Red Hot 76ers. And um, a great chance that, you know, Philly is heartbroken times three, I think. Um, but uh, on a serious note, who do you got? Who do I have? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because it's really a lot of, a tough call. A lot of me wants to go with Philadelphia because then I could say the Bears like gave the Super Bowl champion a run there for a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, but my gut's telling me uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, okay. Well, um, I am in the presence of Matt Mitchie right now, so it would be unwise to say anything but the Chiefs for fear of flying objects um, or you know poor editing. But I do think that um, I think it's a total toss-up. I mean, I really do. I, yeah. I, I, I think it'll it be a great game. would not surprise me. The, the, the point spread is, not that I pay attention, but the point spread is two points for a reason, right? It's a toss-up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pick them. Almost. I, when in doubt in these matchups, I tend to go with the stronger defense, which I would argue is Philadelphia. Defense wins championships. But I think it's going to be a great game. So if I had to lean, I'd say Philly. Yeah. Hey, so well, we, Super Bowl Sunday coming up. That's always a great day. So in that spirit... Yes. Our last segment of the day. Top of the order. Non-holiday best days or non-holiday holidays. So we're each going to pick our favorite three days of the year that are not holidays. So Christmas, Thanksgiving, Out. Halloween, see ya. Uh, we're talking unofficial holidays here. And I know the Super Bowl is always at the top of that list. You know, it's the classic office banter, right? Oh, you know, I wish the day after the Super Bowl we didn't have to come into work, you know. Oh. So let's, uh, let's have that discussion right now. Uh, who, who's picking first? What are, we flipping? what are we flipping, Mitchie? Uh, he is, he is uh, caught. Oh, boy. He doesn't know. Okay. Flipping the, what? <laughs> <I'm> flipping <laughs> the cap. Okay. Uh, cap that I don't know if that'll work. Okay. I, all right. Larry no, wins. He's pointing at me, so I, I pick. Um, I'm not going to go with the Super Bowl here. All right. I'm not going with Super Bowl Sunday or the day after the Super Bowl. I'm going the first day of March Madness. Great one. You show up to work or school. You've got basketball to, to watch all day until you go to bed, basically. <laughs> Just glorious. Makes me smile thinking about it. 
I made it three consecutive years in school, third, fourth, and fifth grade that Thursday before the fourth year my mom caught on, or it was the end of the third year. She goes, is basketball on today? And starting at 11 a.m., I was like, oh, yeah, I guess there is some basketball on. And fourth year, she wasn't having it. She was not having it. But three years in a row, I got away with uh, playing, playing hooky in elementary school. So that is a great, it's a great call, undeniably. Didn't have uh, cool teachers that would put it on? I don't that, remember. Oh, that was, I don't think that I was, ever had. That was in, back in the day, though. Yeah, we didn't have TVs back then, Larry. <laughs> didn't have WatchMarchMadness.com or whatever. Yeah, no, it is. we uh, watch March Madness we, app. I watched the John Wooden uh, UCLA era teams, Kareem, <laughs> Kareem on the old black and white set. Get off my lawn. Um, no, they. Uh, I don't remember. I, I believe in middle school, I did have a teacher that, that wheeled a TV in for it, for sure. Um, now it's just so easy, kids. You know, if they're allowed phones in classrooms, which some schools go. Go no on that. Yeah. Hard no on the, on the phones during the day. But that's a great one. During the 2008 KU run, Mario Chalmers, legendary. Of course. Of course. Uh, our elementary school postponed our school assessments for a whole week because <sighs> they landed on the same day as uh, our Final Four matchup. Wow. That's uh, Hey, kids, can't study. Mario Chalmers is on. All right? Exactly. Um, you know, I think a magical day, and it's still magical, um, but especially when I was growing up, is opening day. That's Those a no-brainer move right two there. Two classic words. Um, really no other day like it. Yeah, opening NFL Sunday's great. Um, first day of basketball is very disjointed. Opening day for NBA, not really a thing, right? Because they yeah. have, you know, a game here, a game there. Um, but, man, opening day, that first Monday, you know, you see you're, you're flipping around. And, of course, MLB extra innings free for that first week, right? So you can you, – you got that first pitch that happens every year in. That doesn't know it. That's a disappointing Cincinnati, traditionally, first game. Besides, of course, the Sunday night opener. Mm-hmm. But always the first pitch of the year happens in Cincinnati. You know, that's like an 1130 Eastern start. And then the games just start rolling. You got the freezing temperatures and the full ballparks all around. Of course, as a kid, I used to go not necessarily to opening day, but always. And really the secondary to that is your favorite team's home opener, right? Which yep. usually is on, a, on an afternoon in yep. the middle of the week that feels just a little more special because it's the first one of the year. And when you're talking the first of 162, of course, it's a lot different than the first of 16. You know, it's a, it's a big day. Love hey, opening day. Hope springs eternal. That's right. Maybe the best, one of the best sports phrases ever because it, it's true. It is you true. You know, 162 games could be rough for a lot of people. You can talk yourself into anything, especially if your team starts 1-0. and And you're like, man, an opening day starter. Gotta, hey, went yeah. seven. And did you see that? good stuff. Yeah, our number seven hitter, that shortstop, hit two doubles. I don't know why he couldn't keep that up. I think one of my favorite opening day memories, I remember, you know, when I was a kid, do you remember when they would open up games overseas? I remember yeah, in Tokyo. when Oakland yeah. and Seattle played in Tokyo. I got up at, I think, four in the morning uh, <laughs> to watch first pitch of the MLB True season. sicko. Yep, indeed. Uh, but Kosuke Fukudome, opening yeah. day 2009, I think it was a, he hit a homer to put the Cubs up late in the eighth inning. Ron Santos going crazy on the radio. Pat Hughes with some electric calls, 
beat the Brewers, division rival, 2009, and that was coming off back-to-back postseason appearances. Uh, young Larry was fired up then. That was a that was a good day. Yeah, a lot of great opening day memories. For me, I, I think I'm I'm gonna have to pick the Super Bowl. Makes sense. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Um, I remember when I was a kid. Uh, my kids, my kids. I don't have those yet. Uh, that thankfully. you know of. We're not going there. Um, it's been my friend. <laughs> God, vulgar, unbelievable. Um, my friends in middle school, we, we would have Super Bowl parties every year. That was like the best day of the year. We'd yes. show up to whoever's house at noon and play two-hand touch all day until the Super Bowl came on. I mean, that, that was good stuff. So Super Bowl for me. A Super Bowl is great. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick, oddly enough, I'm going to stick with college basketball too. I love Final Four Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not a, you know, it's not a full day, but of course neither is Super Bowl, and there might not be as much pageantry. But as opposed to the, the finals, you know, you get one game. You get – it's the Final Four. These are, in theory, the four best teams in the country – um, the scene is great. Uh, it's an awesome day. I mean, Mitchie, obviously, my, my team has never been there, but Mitchie can speak to that. Final Four Saturday, electric. Yeah, yep, that's that's very true. Um, my team has never been there either and probably won't be. Uh, tough to get a major team yes. to the Final Four these days. Percy Hawkins ain't walking through that door. No, no, that's a great point. Shout out to Hawk, the GOAT. Um, for me, I'm going to go away from sports. Last day of school. Last day of classes, uh, you go elementary school, last day of school, always Great the best. One. Great one. Last day of college classes. You know, for me, it was, it was a really weird deal, my last day of classes ever, because it was in the middle of March, and mm. I left to come here early to start. And so, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, study day eve, you know, all the shenanigans that go on on a college campus near the end of the semester. I was, uh, I think I was in... Uh, Midland, Michigan, when all that was going on. But end of the semester, end of school, always, always the best. That's a great one. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat a little bit because, and I'll see if this is within the rules. This is not an official holiday. You still get your mail this day, okay? Everything like that. But uh, May Day, May 1st, is a true tradition in my life since high yes. school. Yes. Okay. So are you familiar with this? I'm familiar with your tradition. Okay, you are. Yeah, so May Day is like an old school, some sort of Scandinavian origin where you, you pick flowers and you give candy and you, you, know, you make home make a basket and you give it to, you give it to friends and loved ones. Well, we, I don't know how, uh, in a, just a relentless effort to get a date, unsuccessful, I think me and my friends, uh, particularly me, dreamed up this oh, scheme in friends. high school. Um, and so it's kind of continued from there. So now with, with my family, we make, it a, we make it a big deal. We deliver baskets. You, you deliver the basket on the door. You knock on the door. You run away. Uh, you got to have a getaway driver. You know, it's a whole big thing. So I would encourage those to participate in May Day uh, here in a couple months. It's coming up. Believe it or not, even though it's two degrees outside, it's going to be May Day before you know it. I'm going to go with May Day for my third. I like that. I like that pick. It's unique. I don't think a lot of people had that on their board. Yep. Um, I got to say, you know, you're married with kids. Did it work? Did what work? The, the ding-dong ditching with flowers in a basket. Now, that's tough. Yeah, you got you to gotta kind of <laughs> extend that to uh, 
you know, you bring, eventually when your kids get old enough, you bring them along and they can, you know, they can do that to, to their friends and you, 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 you scoot off. But no, you don't, you don't do that to your, to your, uh, your own place. It gets a little awkward, but, uh, but yeah, he made awkward. that. Hide in the bushes quick. Yeah, exactly. Just hang out with Tango in the bushes. Yep, yeah, yep. Tango stuff. the raccoon. Uh, maybe she'll be our next guest. Oh, it would be great. I, we, I do have a pet raccoon that shows up sporadically at our house. And if we, if we, can, if we can coax her in here, get some Nutter Butters, leave a, trail, <laughs> nutter butters. leave a trail of Nutter Butters on the way to the car, bring her on in. What sound do raccoons make? They just... Yeah, they have a variety of sounds. Uh, they, can make, they can purr, they can hiss. They can, <laughs> uh, they can yeah, there's a lot of low growling if you try to take away one of those Nutter Butters. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole big circus in the Flickinger house. Hey, next time on Flock Talk, raccoon noises, maybe. Maybe. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, whether you're watching on YouTube or Spotify. Appreciate you joining us. Shout out to Zach Rabb, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.